I'm Lige. I'm Kohana. And, and this, this is Straight Ahead. Ahead. Welcome back to another episode of Straight Ahead. Since last episode, we've both had a couple crazy weeks. I've been working nonstop on a really exciting project for Earth Day that I can't wait to share with everyone. And I'm at the point in my film production where I'm starting to see the whole film emerge as one cohesive thing, which has just been so rewarding to see. Today, we'll be interviewing independent animator Amanda Bonaiuto. Amanda, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. Um, My name is Amanda. (laughs) I'm an animator. I mostly work 2D hand-drawn. Um, though this year I've experimented a little bit um, with some other means, but um, yeah, and I also really want to start to get into some still work or potentially, um, you know, non, non-animated, whatever that might look like. But yeah, I'm an animator. I make short films. I'm currently making a ton of commissions, um, and that seems to be what the bulk of my focus is at the moment, um, but I also teach. I'm teaching a little bit less than normal right now to put some more focus on the on the work. Um, and that's been a really nice balance in this last very strange, chaotic year. What, what, uh, what kind of commissions have you been up to? Oh my gosh, I, I'm i If you can on, talk about anything. <laughs> I, can, I can talk about some of it. Um, I have three, un, sorry, three finished music videos that are unreleased that I can't that are like, there's there's something going on in the music industry. There's a big thing going on. Um, just sort of like a delay, I think, in vinyl pressing. So I have these projects that are all kind of backed up. Um, but those are just kind of like sitting on the back burner, like done, and it's kind of killing me. Like I really, I'm excited for them to come out. And I guess I shouldn't really tell you which bands those are. We'll let it be a surprise. We can just wait and see. <laughs> we can wait and see. Um, and then, the two projects that I guess I can't tell you about. One of them is like a full-time job. Um, it's like a 10-month contract. Super, super fun. And I can't wait to tell you about it. Um, and then another one that I can't tell you about, but it's a 30-second <laughs> short film, um, which I think is going to be super fun and really looking forward to releasing that one too. And then I'm also making a new film, um, but very slowly because... I guess when it rains, it pours. I have a lot of work right now, which is busy great. year. Busy year. Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you been up to anything else this year besides work? Trying to stay healthy. Um, <laughs> trying to, I have like a, definitely a daily ritual. Um, my mornings are like very long. I spend like two hours just like uh, trying to relax before I get into work. So I'll like take a long walk. Um, I do a lot of journaling in the morning. Um, I take a long time with a cup of coffee. I'm like, many days during the quarantine, like a cup of coffee was like the best thing. Like I would be very verbal (laughs) about it. Like, just like so satisfying. Um, And otherwise, no, not much. Like truly just working all the time and trying to stay healthy. Yeah. And healthy. <laughs> and, and, and and connected in whatever way I can, like going to lots of virtual lectures. And I think that teaching really helps um, to create like a feeling of connection too. And also like, honestly, friendships have gotten a little better during COVID. 
<laughs> because Whoa. I think we're, we're finding different ways to reach out to people, like lots of phone calls, which is the thing that was sort of like dying, I think, in my life a little bit. Um, There's a lot of like reliance on social media. So lots of phone calls with friends, like FaceTimes. Um, yeah. I am wondering if we can segue a little bit just into into your specific pieces and sort of body of work. But I was just wondering what your process sort of looks like for coloring your animations. A lot of your stuff is like pencil on paper and then digitally drawn. Do you like working in that sort of workflow? Are you experimenting with like coloring in different ways? What does that look like for you right now? Yeah, I mean, I, at the moment, I guess all my recent projects are made in a very similar way. Um, Hand-drawn on paper, photographed. I don't even own a scanner, that's a secret. I photograph everything. Um, Downshooter superiority, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, I really appreciate what happens with the lights. Like I I never set up my lighting perfectly, so it's always like incorrect, Um, but I I like what happens because if I'm leaving some of the paper texture in there, which I always do, you see sort of this like wobbling flickery effect. Um, And when that's existing underneath a layer of semi-transparent color, it feels really nice Uh, for me anyway. I have a weird relationship to color though. I think when things get too bright, it starts to feel like it's not, like it doesn't work with my lines anymore or something. I don't really know what happens to me psychologically, but I I have this sort of comfort zone with color. Um, And so it's always a sort of muted pastel palette. I have like a weird story about color. Um, I nope. tell us. Um, I had like, or I had this amazing grandmother who she's she passed away like several years ago, and I just rediscovered this um, like tote bag that either she gave me or it was given to me um, after she passed away. But she was like super creative person, not by any means like an artist. Um, she wouldn't have identified as an artist. She had like seven kids and five billion grandkids, but she was super creative. And every part of her life was like, just touched in some way by her creativity. Anyway, I found this tote bag and it's just a normal tote, but she had painted it in these sort of muted, colors that were very pastel um and it said like her initials and then it had symbols and drawings from all these different places she had traveled to and i i looked at this thing and i was like oh there's my color palette like i literally have my grandmother's color palette and also i love that so much possibly her style of drawing (laughs) and the handwriting is similar too i just i had never made this connection and i think that's because you know it's not like she was making artworks necessarily but she was making a lot of crafts and a lot of things, you know, just a lot of creative pieces. But I saw that and I was like, I understand something about myself, like far better than I did before. I don't think this color palette comes from nowhere. I think it actually is very specific. Anyway, that's a long tangent on color. But to answer your question about exploring other means of coloring, um, yeah, I'm doing like a lot of hand painted color for my new film um which is called confetti which we can talk about at some point um but it's it's very much a slow production at this point hopefully it ramps up a bit in april but that i plan for it to be all hand painted but i've also been exploring with i don't just different techniques some scenes being black and white like so it's 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 very much a process-based film so we'll see what happens 
And Confetti is your your personal film? Yes. Yeah. Wow. With all the work going on, we just have to clarify. Yes, <laughs> Confetti will be my next like personal film. And Works. how long are you planning for that to be? Well, initially it was going to be a longer short. <laughs> and now I think it's just going to be however long it's going to be. <laughs> it just needs to say what it needs to say and at this point like the my process for that film is so much about like thinking of scenes, animating them, painting them and then cutting them into a timeline and just like really sort of like patchworking a piece together and letting each scene or each shot like in a way like dictate what is what's necessary um i'm not storyboarding this film <laughs> at all um i just straight have like, ahead. straight ahead straight and ahead a lot of the scenes are animated <laughs> ahead. um i have kind of just like a shot list that's just written but other than that very little pre-production in, in that one which feels like such a a lovely contrast to doing a lot of commission work but it's interesting that like that's how the film is being made it's not like there's no sort of preconceived idea of what it will what it will look like it just will be what it is yeah i mean there is a preconceived idea it's just like in my head and i think like the i think the preconceived idea of how it will look like it like comes out kind of immediately in the shots but then like i'm trying to also be flexible in that as well cuz a lot of my work is I mean, it, I guess for the most part, all of it exists in like a particular world, like a world that feels like kind of austere, but also kind of inviting and kind of like just sort of a lot of like, like real, but kind of bent um, experience or real or true or something. I don't know what the right word is there, but um, I think I want this. I mean, this film is bending even further into like abstraction um so there's not as much real space going on um which i think makes sense as like the next piece after hedge since that was my last personal film and that was a film that you know i tried to storyboard that film i did i storyboarded that film like four times um it started as like a very structured narrative with dialogue like it was a completely different film it was a full-on comedy um I recorded all the voice actors and it was just going to be this film about, you know, kind of a focus on like a protagonist. Um, but that changed so much in that production and that changed by basically following my gut and my impulses and breaking apart that storyboard completely and like putting it all over my, my living room and just, um, yeah, trying to find like what the pulse of it was because I think it was getting lost in some of my pre-production efforts and I wasn't, I just wasn't happy with it. <laughs> You've kind of been touching on like parts of your process throughout this, but um, I guess without giving away too much, would you mind going into like what exactly your process is for like making the animation physically, digitizing it, um, anything you do digitally to alter it, like... Oh yeah, I I'll cool. give away everything. Um, <laughs> like, Tell not, all your secrets. I Lay it on the table. Um, I I mean, it's not that complicated. I think my process is kind of 
straight ahead or like straightforward <laughs> anyway. Um, I either I draw everything on paper or if it's for a commission, sometimes I use TV paint because I think it's that software feels really satisfying to me, though it's still a different experience. I really love drawing on paper because I mean, for a lot of reasons, it just feels really nice. But also there's an, like an inherent limitation. Um, I can't actually animate as well on paper as I can if I work digitally, which is maybe a weird thing to say or like a weird thing to to strive for. But I really like the, the limitation that it places on my work. Um, so I'll if I'm drawing on paper, I will usually shoot like a cluster of shots together all at once, bring them into um, I'll shoot them with dragon frame, just to be super clear. Dragon frame on a down shooter. Um, then I'll bring them into Photoshop and key out all of the background paper. So I leave the paper inside of whatever the, the subject of the drawing is. And then I do that by using like layer stacks. Got <laughs> it. And that's like for the texture, right? That's for the texture, which, you know, that's not how that has to be done. I could add a texture later, but I, I again, like I like that the lighting still remains within the drawing. Definitely. And then and then I'll do just like a multiply of a color fill on top so that the the color becomes semi-transparent and you can still feel that like warble of the paper and the lights. Um, and I tend to do that in chunks and then drop that stuff into um, a timeline, either in After Effects or Premiere, depending on how much compositing needs to be done. Uh, I don't know that somehow that makes sense to me to work like several shots at a time. And then no, I mean, no alteration happens to the drawings once they're done, except for the coloring process and then compositing. Um, and then once I have like all of the parts of a piece, I usually finish in Premiere, um, but that's kind of like the most exciting part for me when I have like everything colored, composited and in Premiere, because then like what usually happens is I, take what I think is finished and I chop it up and <laughs> change everything um, and like sort of discover like a whole new piece within the piece. And then I feel like I have like, it's like, it's just, it's the editing process, right? It's something the whole that- editing side of animation, right? Yeah, which like, I don't know. I think, I think my process maybe allows me to do this because I'm not doing super tight boards at the beginning. And I often end up with like extra, <laughs> animation or like extra scenes, um, which I, I like that. Maybe that's more like a live action approach, but I really love that process of- I think it's like a filmmaker's way of doing an animation. Yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's what it is, but- <laughs> I think you were the one to describe this to me, um, but the really fun thing about Premiere is, is like when you are able to sort of treat all of your material like a, like a film strip and like in a very literal sort of editorial way that filmmakers do totally reframe what you have by like snipping select bits of film and like rearranging things in the ways that you want it's it's so fun totally and i think that is the way that my brain like works in a way and i think i mean i was never like shooting on film or anything but i learned on i learned how to edit in final cut and when I learned how to edit, I think that was how it was described to me. Like, it's like, think about this as your reel and think about this as if you're on like a Steam Vec or whatever it's called, like a film editing machine. And just think about like the physical material of it. Like, 
And I think that clarified something for me or made it feel very like tangible and possible to just like do whatever you wanted. Even more tangible than already working with paper and pen and all of these like very no, it's like now you just need the editing suite right i yeah that's an interesting thing to point out i think i'm sometimes i'm like hmm i work in a digital medium like ultimately these pieces end up on a digital platform um (laughs) i think about this all the time like especially when i'm you know making attempts to work in hand-drawn ways out of a sort of reluctance to work digitally it all eventually will need something digital to yeah i mean unless you know you have your reel and like your projector yeah you guys should just resort to like slide projectors and and (laughs) i mean i'm all in if Uh, yeah you should um i also around your drawings yeah (laughs) i yes well sometimes when i do like artist talks i'll just like bring drawings to make me feel like connected to something (laughs) um but i think this this like physical impulse is also part of why i'm like ah should do ceramics or like weaving or like start painting again or something that um, stays in the physical realm all the time. I have I have a question about your characters. If mm-hmm. I was wondering, just if you ever repeat characters across your films, because there's in films like Hedge and in all of the sort of music video work you do too, certain personalities really emerge. And I think it's just in the way that expressions are drawn in the way that like limbs move but they just feel like a family they do but do you ever sort of consciously do that like choose to repeat across films i that's a good question i mean i definitely think of my characters as maybe a family maybe that's actually a really good way to talk about it but i also sometimes think they're all the same person who maybe perhaps is me (laughs) Uh, or like a version of myself or like whatever that is that characteristic plus something that's been like observed elsewhere like yeah I think I I don't know that it's conscious like I actually would love if it were conscious if I was like I'm repeating characters because this is the world that I build um but I don't I don't know that I really think uh about characters as you know, as being, I don't know how to explain it. I think, yeah, I think calling it a family is a really good way to explain it. (laughs) But I think to answer your question, I don't think it's that it's conscious, but I do think there is certainly like a through line between all of them. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a question. If you think that like these characters might be an extension of yourself, like in some regard, and your colors that you use are definitely an extension of yourself and like your grandmother um, and your family. Is there any other aspect of your work that you think like, I mean, obviously it's your work, so you feed into it, but any other ways that you represent yourself in your work that you can think of? Mm. Well, a lot of my work tends to be quite autobiographical, at least like at the seed. Um, So in that way, I think it, it hugely represents my experience. <laughs> Sorry, we have a cat. <laughs> we have a cat. <laughs> um, at least uh, hugely represents my experience from like a specific point of view, right? Like, this is very distracting. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I can give an example. Uh, 
When I was thinking about what my thesis film was going to be, and when I was deciding to make Hedge, um, at the very beginning, like, and this, I feel like this is usually how it goes. Um, it was really just inspired by a memory from childhood. And, you know, childhood memories are like so abstract and strange and mostly just storytelling ultimately. But um, the memory was so specific for me and it was about like mourning, like mourning a death. And it was, I'll just tell you what the memory was because I think it did actually find its way into the film. Um, but in 1995, after my father passed away, like a month after he passed away, I was five years old and it was the summertime. So I was like in this plastic kiddie pool on the sidewalk and I like had to pee or something. So I ran into my house um, and just stopped cold in the front, like in the front door, like just sort of like in the frame. And from that front door, you could see through another doorway into the kitchen and in there I could tell there were like a bunch of people in there um it was like a whole bunch of my aunts and my mom and it was like very somber and when I was standing in the doorway I just like paused and I was like oh, daddy just tapped me on the shoulder and like the room went silent and every one of those bodies in that room like peeked through the doorway at me like in sync like it like the memory is like choreography and also it scared me like I, but they all like peeked and then like started sobbing and then I like scampered away and like whatever like <laughs> felt really weird and like I had done something wrong or something but um I think just that like impression of a moment or like that feeling of like energy in a room like uh, and not not energy like I was like messing around right I was like almost like playing a game with myself like oh like daddy just tapped me on the shoulder but the way that it affected that crowd of people like stuck with me so hard. And I think like in Hedge, part of that memory and the feeling of that like really came out in these like groups of women who I was calling like aunties and the way that they move through space and their their way of like collectively mourning. Um, so I don't know, I think maybe that's an example of like how I am sort of infused in my work. It's like often an idea will start by like a seed of a memory or the feeling of the memory or like the impact of a moment. Um, and that feels like very specific to me, but I guess it's also kind of feels universal. And I think, yeah, I think that is one way anyway, how I'm a part of my work. Yeah, no, definitely. That was beyond a perfect answer. <laughs> it really was. I, I mean, I've watched Hedge so many times and just to sort of realize that like I guess the the children that in that lens. film the children like that's those are just iterations of of you I guess in quite literal ways and just yeah <laughs> but it's really like the way that you've sort of created a new environment a new space where all of that is hosted in and all of these like so very surreal events and relationships are happening is just really beautiful I'm happy that I like I'm honored that I got to hear the context for that oh and gosh, just the specific same. place it came from. Well, yeah, I think that the other part of that memory that made its way into that film and to maybe Batfish Soup and maybe other pieces is is like environment or like a way of relating to architecture <laughs> and like barriers. For some reason, like doorways come up a lot or like 
walls and like peeking around things come up a lot. I think it kind of goes back to that memory. I mean, <laughs> um, it's an incredibly, like incredibly vivid image. I think it's just interesting to think about, like I, I think about spaces and sort of like the rigidity, the rigidity of space versus like how characters can react in those spaces and like how they move through spaces in a way that's like kind of considering the choreography of it all. Like, and I think it, yeah, I think it sort of boils down to that memory. And then that memory being something that I have, like has sort of guided me towards work that also does that. So I think it's sort of guided my taste in a way. Um, yeah. That's so cool to hear. Cause your characters, I, like there are particular scenes from your films, or not even scenes really, like particular movements are so deeply ingrained just in like my memory. Like the way your cat, like the the sort of neck whip that the the woman with the nail clippers does, but like a lot of your characters have that sort of same motion too. But you know that all of that sort of emerged from maybe like a singular place or a very specific faraway memory is a really beautiful thing. Um, I guess in on Hedge, mm -hmm. uh, maybe we can transition into this. But um, Hedge won Ottawa, and it's it's student <laughs> competition. Um, like back in twenty eighteen, I guess. But um, I was just wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about how, for for all the animators listening, how like the festival circuit and the reception of Hedge maybe impacted like your work and just your career or trajectory as, as an animator? Um, yeah, I'm happy to talk about the festival circuit. Um, I think when I finished Hedge and graduated, I was really unsure about that film. <laughs> I felt like, you know, the, the thesis year is hard, I think for everyone. Um, and I, I left it feeling like, okay, I made this film, I need to sort of recover from making this film now and like wipe my hands of it. And so I, I started by just submitting it to Ottawa because the deadline, the, the submission period for Ottawa is in May. I was like, I'm just going to do it and forget that I even did that. And um, it ended up getting in, which was like, I had no expectations. So it was kind of a lovely surprise. Um, and then it, yeah, it won the award and I was there, which was great. Um, and I think the impact, I think there's several parts to this. I think the initial impact of winning something felt really good. Like it felt like a badge that was like, ah, you can breathe, like the world likes you. <laughs> and was that also your first time attending the festival? No, I had been in it twice before. Okay. So I had, and so I had gone those two times and then I had also gone when I was like 19 when I was an undergrad um, with my school. Anyway, so I had I had been in it with Batfish Soup and then a music video got in the following year and then Hedge. This was the third year that I was going to the festival. Uh, yeah, it felt really good. It just felt very validating. And I think at the festival, it made everything feel very celebratory and I felt like a part of the community and it was wonderful. Um, I think ultimately that award sits on my CV as like a good a good thing to have, I think for professional practice reasons, like for grants, for teaching jobs, for you know residencies or just 
other festivals because they often do ask like, you know, what what have you what festivals have you been in? Have there been any awards? Whatever. Um, and I think there are also probably a lot of invisible, you know, things that I'm not aware of, like invisible benefits to winning that award, you know, in terms of like visibility. I don't know that it had much impact in like getting me work. I feel like Instagram, <laughs> like in my DMs is where I get work, which is sounds so tacky to say. Um, and then just like the random emails. Um, I think that's just like how it is now, though. It really is. It's so how insane it to say, but it's how it is. But but I also, you know, I don't it's it's hard to sort of like tease through and say, like, I think winning Ottawa helped me in these specific ways. Like, I think it all kind of blurs together. I do know, like one very obvious benefit was I was just getting floods of festival invitations afterwards. And they were often like, hey, submit to this festival. We're waiving the fee or just saying, hey, can we have your film? So that was really nice. And also, yeah, when, I mean, when you get into a festival like Ottawa, for sure there is like a, a snowball effect, which I guess is what I was just describing. Um, yeah, I think there, there were clear benefits and then who knows the rest, like it all gets blurred together, but it was, um, especially in the moment, it felt like a, a nice little, a nice treat and, and felt very like community oriented being at the festival. I feel like every time I've gone to a film festival, I meet friends that stay friends just because of the animation community. And then like, if you're ever traveling, you know, like when I was in Japan in 2018, I met up with Serena Nihai because we had met at Ottawa the year before. I went to London and got to hang out with like Skillbard, um, sound designers for like, you know, everybody. <laughs> Um, and th they're so lovely. And it's just, this is what I, I mean, this is to me, this is like the core benefit of a film festival. So like whatever else happened as a result. Yeah. is great. But I think ultimately it's like so much about community. I guess on that and on people that you meet in person at these events and just in general with meeting animators in these ways, who are some of your biggest inspirations right now? And is there anyone that we should maybe be looking out for or anyone that you would want to to spotlight? Um, I wrote a list because that's hard questions. Yeah. Of um, course. <laughs> let's see. Can never be uh, put on the spot. <laughs> um, it's a really long list. <laughs> so I'm just gonna like pick some out of here. Um, the first name is Ted Wigan. Um, Ted is a really sweet person and made an incredible film called Lizard Ladder, which is paired with the software that was used to create the film. Check it out. Super awesome. Love it. Um, Shenji, um, amazing, like super inspiring for like timing. Atsushiwada, um, Jack Wedge, so good. Uh, I gotta get more picky here. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh um, Steffi Yi. I've never met Steffi Yi, but she just made a really amazing film called The Lost Sound using like Stratacut and 2D hand drawn. It's just, it's so great. Um, Anything that has Stratacut is. Honestly, just <laughs> like immediately. Uh, 
Anna Firth, Lily Correa, Sarah Gunner's daughter. <laughs> I'm just gonna go down the list now. Marco Sanchez, um, Jaron Braxton, Amanda Eliasson. Really love her hand painted films. Um, James Pescara, also faculty. Oh, cool. Shout out James. Well, I actually met James at Slam Dance for the first time. No way. Yeah, yeah. We were in the same program. Um, Kitty Fangold made a film called Hell Hath No Fury. So good. Um, another, like, like not someone who I've ever met, but like an animator that I'm looking at a lot lately is Candy Guard. Um, she made all these really hilarious, weird shorts in like the 90s. I have no idea what she's doing now. Um, but they're just really speaking to me lately. Um, and she has this like very sort of raw pared down style. Uh, and it's just a lot of like very hilarious dialogue. I think, I think there's a part of me that wishes I could make that kind of film, but it's, it's kind of, it's just not something I've done yet. Um, maybe that I'll, I'll stop there because it's too many. Also, like, I do just need to mention, like my immediate animation community is like endlessly inspiring to me all the time. Like we have, you know, a lot of my peers from CalArts, but also otherwise just, we have this uh, text chain called chickens, which is just like a constant source of inspiration, like sending films and having panic attacks or like whatever needs to happen. Like just a very supportive community of friends and animators. So that's like, honestly, number one, like your core group. That's so sweet. Chickens. Chickens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all need our chickens. We do. We, we all do. have our chickens, I think, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Amanda, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. This has been really fun. Thank um, you for talking to us and answering all our, our silly questions. <laughs> great questions. Very silly, very good. <laughs> We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. is a musician and multimedia artist currently creating and vibing in the metaverse. Stream his music and songs on Spotify and consider joining him on his journey floating through the void. Go check out his page, Varin Music, Varin spelled with two V's and two R's, to get a look at all he does, and his other account, Muse.Surf, to see some of his animations. Next episode, two Mondays from now, we'll be sitting down with legendary experimental animator and the man responsible for Lai Jinai meeting, Jeff Sher. See you next time on, on Straight, Straight Ahead. Ahead. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>